So good to see everybody in the house of the Lord on this new year. If you got your Bible, turn with me to Matthew 16 and verse 18. Chapter 16, verse 18. And I'm excited about the new year and what God's going to do in this year. Amen. Everybody was, I think we just picked up on what the media put into our brains. Yeah, it was a bad year, but it wasn't as bad as what we thought. Actually, it was a pretty great year. God shook a lot of things up, did a lot of work in my life. I don't know about yours that he couldn't have done any other way. And I kind of looked back on the year and said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And looking forward to the coming year as well. Whatever he wants to do, whatever he has in our planet really doesn't matter. He's, even when you don't see it, he's working. Amen? He's working. He's working. And so quit, quit. Quit with the buying into the propaganda that's being fed to you. Go to this book and get the real, the real answers to what's going on and feast and feed on it. Amen? Feed on His Word in the coming year. Start out with the Bible reading plan. If you already got a Bible reading plan, you don't have to join with us, but we want to put something out there to try to hold you accountable and, and give you something, a plan of action to read. Last year, I did the Bible reading plan. I stumbled sometimes and I failed. I had to catch up on weekends, sometimes catch up on the next week, but I finished. I finished, amen, I finished it. And, uh, and so uh, it's good to have a plan, it's good to have accountability, it's good to have people going through it with you. So if you get to a place and you don't understand something, you can reach out on the Bible app or you can call somebody and say, hey, what does this passage mean? I didn't quite understand that. It's just a great way to, uh, to interact with each other. And so we're going to start that back out. The 260 Journey is an uh, awesome book. It's a book that uh, I've been going through myself some, and I'm going to go through it this year. It's a devotion, and you can get it online. You don't have to have the book, but it's Tim Delino, the pastor at Times Square Church. Fabulous, fabulous devotion. Fabulous uh, 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 devotion that really will help you understand the passages that you're reading and give you a little bit more to go upon. And then we just thought including Psalms and Proverbs, man, we can't get enough wisdom, can't get enough of the Psalms when you're living in times like we're living in to put a prayer in your heart and a song in your heart. And so uh, that you should be, uh, I, would, I would actually encourage the enthusiastic crowd to add a psalm every day to your reading. Uh, that would be for the more enthusiastic, you really want to get after it, add a psalm onto the chapter that you're reading a day, and that would be awesome. It will prepare you and help you. So there's a couple ways you can do this thing. We just want you to get on board with it. If you, if you miss a day, just start right back up. If you miss a week, start right back up. Don't just, just let's keep going throughout the year in the Word of God and in prayer, and uh, God will richly bless you. Last year, we were, uh, we were, we were uh, preaching on foundation on, the, on building a foundation and being on the right foundation. And man, I just, the way we ended the year with New Covenant Christmas, the way we ended the year was just so superb. The way the Holy Spirit just kind of brought us to a close of the year with the messages that God wanted to, uh, to, to speak to our hearts and lives. And I'm excited. Uh, he spoke about three quarters of the year that outreach was something big. The harvest this year is something big that He wants to do with our lives. Now that we're on a firm foundation, now he's going to build our lives up on this foundation of grace, on this foundation of Christ, that he's going to build this temple 
and, and, and then this temple is to go out into the world full of the gifts of the Spirit, and we're to go out and make disciples of all nations. And so we're going to really, really be pushing ourselves uh, to be in obedience to the Great Commission and the call of God to, to, to fellowship and, and, and to join together and to go out as teams and as people like the, like the early church did and to go into all the world and preach this gospel. I believe we want to do one great last push before God comes. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness, and then the end shall come. And I believe that's where we're at. And so we're going to take this gospel, this good news, to Brookside and beyond, wherever God allows us to do that, on the internet. There's a preacher I love, and years ago, God told him this was going to happen. And he said, get ready to cast your net on the right side, and he, and he basically said, get ready to cast your net on the internet. And, and he said, because God is going to pull in a great harvest, and, they, and God is doing that on the internet. He's doing that in churches. He's doing that around the world and, uh, through missions work. And so we want to use every available means to do that with uh, in our lives now. We don't want to be stuck in some in our ways. We want to find out, what we want to move with God, amen, and we want to move in a way to take the gospel to the utter reaches of the world. So we're going to do that in this coming year. And today I feel like God, there's so many messages I've got excited about going in that direction. I had three or four and I was this morning yesterday. Thank God for the body of Christ. Terry, Terry just texted me out of the blue. And, 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 and this is like, it was uncharacteristic of the way Terry, Terry and I normally text. But te Terry texts and said, I'm praying for you in a different way today. And it was like two days ago. And I thought, wow, that's odd. And, uh, but I was grateful. I was grateful for his obedience. And, and he said, I don't know what, but I feel like the Lord is telling me to pray for you in a different way. And I said, well, I've been kind of stressed and I've been working on the weekend and different things going on and, and been kind of stressed. Well, lo and behold, yesterday, Terry, man, I was out. I had a, I had a migraine that would not quit and uh, just, uh, just in the bed and uh, just uh, under, I don't know if it's spiritual attack, what it was, but I appreciate the prayers of the saints. I appreciate when people obey God. Then I got up panicking because that was throwing me behind for today. And I was getting up panicking, God, what, uh, what am I going going to preach, and I'm, I was in there, messages laid out trying to figure out, but I, I believe we've got, the, the through prayers and through other means, I believe God has got me to the place where I believe this is the word that God would like for us to start out the year with. I thought I was going a different direction, but I believe this is it. Let's pray. If you got your Bible, turn to Matthew 16, and uh, let, let's uh, hear what the word of the Lord says this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for the word of God. We thank you for the worship and the praise that went up, uh, God, uh, in this house just a few moments ago. And God, I, I thank you for the way we ended this year. God, uh, laying a foundation and then worshiping on that foundation. God, the last service of this year was remarkable. We did nothing. We, we did nothing but praise and worship. And Lord, the, the, the singers did an amazing job, God, with the, the solos, the, the songs, the, the, the taking the, the scripture from, from Matthew to the, to, the, to, to the coronation of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords to Revelation. It was phenomenal. God, it was phenomenal. And it was an amazing time to come into this place and say God is good and his mercy endures forever God and now I believe you want to build our lives God by your grace on this foundation through faith uh, by grace through faith God and you want to you want to you want to build our lives up God and you're going to build a church that the gates of hell will not prevail against it and so father speak to our hearts today and change our lives through the word of God we pray in Jesus name amen 
for all the Apple, uh, the message is our response today, our response. If you have an Apple phone, I don't know about the Android phone, so I can't speak to that, but I know with the Apple phone, when you send a message to someone, does anybody know what happens when you send your message and you're waiting on a response? Three little bubbles come up, don't they? You can see the person on the other end typing their response. Sometimes I'll send a, I'll send a text message to my boss and, and, and while I'm working in the day, and we communicate a lot that way, and all of a sudden I'll see bubbles there. She's typing her response. Sometimes it'll disappear and go away and not come back, and maybe she'll pick up the phone and call me. Sometimes the response will come quickly, but you can see those bubbles there that are there while they're typing the response, and our response matters. Our response, sometimes I'll be typing and I'm sure the other end of the person can be reading and thinking he's giving a response and sometimes the Holy Spirit will check me and say don't put that don't put that because maybe I'm upset and I'm about to rattle off something I don't need to rattle off my reaction is just about to be put down on the paper and not my not a good response and sometimes the Holy Spirit will say race that and now think about what you're saying and respond correctly amen and so our response is everything how we deal with, uh, uh, with, with overwhelming and difficult circumstances, our response to those circumstances matter. And I'll say when COVID broke out, we didn't do too good of a job responding. We were, I believe we had talked about that. We were talking about the shaking going on and we were on a not so good of a foundation, but God seemed to bring us back on the right footing and a right foundation. And, and, and so how we respond in 2022 is going to matter to these difficult responses. Uh, uh, circumstances and our response it matters it matters it's the difference between reaction and response that we're looking for today and a response takes into account the desired results it takes into account the desired results. It, it, it thinks about it. Now, Matthew 16, 18 is the scripture we're going to build on today. And it simply says this. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What a great scripture. Amen. Look at it again. And I also say unto you, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, he's not building it upon Peter, right? He's not building it upon Peter like some think. But upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, now our, like I said again, our response matters. And we want, to have a, we want to have a difference between our reaction and our response. A response takes into account the desired result. For instance, when a 911 call, aren't you glad when you pick up the phone and you dial 911 in an emergency that they don't just come back with some sort of reaction? Like when you call and say, Daniel, my house is on fire. Thank God they don't say, oh my goodness, your house is on fire. Get out. Run for your life. No, they, they come back because they're trained and they are first responders. They come back with, and they're calm, and they begin to say, what's your emergency, Daniel? And they begin to talk, how can we help you? I, uh, 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 where are you located? Daniel, tell me this. Uh, is there anybody in the house that's, that, that, that there's the fire at? And they're trained and they've taken into account how they're going to respond to each and every type of situation before that caller comes so that when the call comes and that caller is panicked, they're not panicked. 
And we want to think about that today. We want to know how to respond out of faith today rather than how to respond out of fear because we found ourselves a couple of years ago responding every time something new happened. And I still see a lot of people on that who depend on the news for their source. They get up on there and every little thing, and that's what they want to keep us to do it, reacting out of fear, reacting out of fear. There's another variant. There's, this one's not working. It's not working with this. It's not working with that. If you got this, if you got that, you're still in trouble trouble and they want us to react out of fear and respond in ways that we shouldn't respond rather than responding by faith. God responds to us and he doesn't react by our circumstances. Aren't you glad that God doesn't take our circumstances when Brad messed up last week and say, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? He messed up again. Amen. What did no? What are we going to do? You know, this and this has happened. I'm glad that God does not react to my circumstances circumstances, but God responds appropriately to us, and we want to respond appropriately to Him. So I want us to go through the Scriptures today, and I want to build off of, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now we're going to go back to Ezra and Nehemiah, because the last uh, uh, the, the last sermon that we preached at the end of the year it just brought us down to Ezra 3 so beautifully. And I could not leave that place yet before we move forward into the, where we're headed. But Ezra and Nehemiah, the Israelites, have been captive. They've been held into captivity by the Assyrians, by the Babylonians, and now the Persian Empire. And, and Ezra and Nehemiah, they are kind of like the historians that record this period of history for us. And, and now, all of a sudden, King Cyrus has come, and there's a decree that has come from the king that he gives permission now for Israel, who's been held in captivity for all these years. Finally, they're going to be able to return, and they're going to be able to rebuild the walls of the town. They're going to be able to re- those glorious walls, Jerry, that we see, those beautiful, beautiful walls that I've beheld with my eyes. They're going to go back and rebuild some walls around Jerusalem. They're going to rebuild some safety and security. They're going to rebuild the temple in this place because when, and, and so Zerubbabel is who is, 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 is tapped or chosen and Zerubbabel's going to take the first group of captives back home. He's going to take the first group of captives back into Jerusalem with this plan to rebuild the walls. But I want you to look at something that I never really realized. Sometimes, you know, that's when we're reading the Bible over and over and over again because I'm going to tell you what, you forget things. It kind of leaks out. No matter how much we read it, we forget it. I guarantee you some of the things we read at the first of last year, you won't remember every little detail. And I'd forgotten some of the details in this in this book of Ezra because it's been quite a while since I've read it myself. And when you go back and you read the details, you begin to see something phenomenal. That there's a plan to go back and to rebuild the walls. But before they rebuild the walls, I want you to look at what they do first. There's, a, there's something they do first that is quite phenomenal. If you got your Bibles or look up at a, on the screen, Ezra 3 and verse 2, I want you to see what they do first. Before they build the walls, before they go, and look, they're going back, and there's people that are, that are coming against them. So it would be pertinent to get the walls rebuilt, Raymond, very quickly, because you got people coming and that could attack you and all sorts of things, even though you got a decree to go and do this. 
so the very first thing I would want to do is rebuild the walls, but that's not the very first thing they do. And what they do comes to find out to be something that we must do, and it's very, very, very important. Look at what Ezra 3 verse 2 says. Then Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and his brethren, the priest, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, and his brethren arose and built the altar of God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. So before they come back and build the walls and build the temple, the very first thing that they come back and do is they build an altar. They build the altar of sacrifice absolutely phenomenal when you begin to see it. You're thinking, big deal. You'll, you'll say big deal in a minute. It's fixing to get better and better. Now look at verse 3. Though fear had come upon them because the people of those countries, that's what I was telling Raymond right there, just because they set the altar on its basis. They're in fear. They know people are coming against them from their surrounding countries, but they came and they set the altar on its basis. The bases are already there. They find the bases that are already there. Remember, we're building off of upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen? So they come back, they find the bases, they put the rock upon this altar upon this and to offer a burnt offerings on it as it is written in the law of Moses. And though fear had come upon them because the people of those countries, they set the altar on its bases and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord. Both morning and evening burnt offerings were made. So the temple now, the temple is going to be rebuilt and the temple is an emblem of pride for these people. It's, a, it's an emblem of pride for the people of Israel. Solomon had built this glorious temple back in the day, and it was the, it was the pride of all of Israel. It, it was marked them as the people of God. When you saw that temple, these are God's people. That God meets with them there. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. But before they set their eyes on building that glorious temple again, the Bible says that they come and they build an altar. Even though there's fear all around them, they see the importance of building this altar because, listen, it is a relationship with God that they are establishing at this altar. That is of first importance, that they must establish a relationship with God because when you establish a relationship with God, with it comes the presence of God. And with the presence of God, that's greater than any wall that you can build in the natural. My friend, when the presence of God comes, you're all right. Amen? And so we're going to learn from this story that the first thing that we're going to come back to, we've been in captivity. The church has been in captivity. Man, we've been off in places we shouldn't have been. We've been doing things we shouldn't have been doing in America. We've been building churches on, on, on everything, man's ideas, man's wisdom. I believe God is shaking us. He wants us to come back. He wants us. He wants our sons and daughters out of captivity and bondage. We, they're in drugs. The church is just as bad as the world. The church has just as many divorces. The church has just as many sons and daughters on drugs. The church has just as many mental problems. The church has just as many things going on as the world has. And I believe COVID is a wake-up sign. I believe it's a wake-up sign to shake the world and to say, get back to God. Get back to building on the right structure. Get back to building your life on the right foundation. Get back to building your marriage, not on 10 steps or this program or psychology or that. Build it on the solid rock. Amen. 
And so they come back, and the first thing they say, we've got to build a house of devotion first. We've got to build a house of devotion. Why are we telling you to pray in the new year? Why are we telling you to read the Bible? Because that's coming and building an altar. It's coming to building your life on the solid rock. It's coming to have a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that's what they do. They come back and before they build walls, before they build a kingdom, they come back and lay the altar because they want to have a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And they begin to build the house of God as a, as a devotion with a, before they begin to build him a house of ministry. And we've been talking about we're going to the, do a house of ministry. That's what God has called us for in this year. Before we go out and build a house of ministry, we have to build a house of devotion. Amen. Those who know their God will be strong and do mighty exploits. So we're going to build a house, and I believe that's what we started last year. I believe exactly, Natasha, I believe that's what happened when you called us to Monday night prayer. I believe we began to build an altar. I begin, believe this church began to come back to the altar, and we began to, we began to have a, a devotion with God. That's what happened when we called you to read the Bible, and some of you, for the first time in your life, dusted off the pages of this book, and you begin to read the Bible for the first time in your life. You read through it this year. And God, the devotion life has returned with God. We have a devotion life with God now. And now God is calling us and saying, now I want to build a ministry life in you. Amen? Amen. And so they began with the first work, the most important work. And they did it according to the law of Moses. It's the most important work, but it's the often the most overlooked work. And it says they began to build an altar according to the law of Moses. And there are three things. Go with me to Exodus 20 because there's three things I want you to see that come out of Exodus 20 right here. And, and three things that Moses, uh, that we learn from Moses here uh, when he tells them to build an altar. Three things that we're going to learn when he te Moses tells them and instructs them to build an altar. Now, this is kind of cool as well. The Word of God is so wonderful. I don't care how many years you study it. I don't care how many years you dig into it. There, you, it's, just, it's just living. It's just a breathing Word, and it just keeps on revealing stuff to you. You'll never exhaust God. You'll never exhaust the pages of Scripture. You just keep going deeper and deeper. It's like a treasure that, that, that you just keep unearthing and finding stuff. And again, I saw something in here that just is like, wow, 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 wow. It just, just kept just, just amazement of how God's word and, and the mind of this great God and his plan of how he plans things out. So let's look at this in Exodus 20. And I want you to look at the verses 22 through 26. And what, what I want you to understand is Exodus 20 in the first 17 verses, God gives the Ten Commandments here. God instructs Moses to, to write the Ten Commandments and bring the Ten Commandments to the people. Now, you would think <clears throat> that after that, he's going to give all kind of instructions, like to build the temple and that sort of thing. The very next thing that he does is right after giving them the commandments of God, knowing that they're going to struggle and not be able to obey the commandments, he does something phenomenal. It makes me just want to go and kiss the face of God. He tells them to build an altar. Thank you, God, for the altar. He tells them to build an altar because he knows before they even break one commandment, they're going to need an altar. What a God. What a God. Amen. Oh man, three people got it. What a God. You need 
the altar of God because we're sinners. Man, I wish somebody got it, but maybe God put it in their brain later today. He gives the commandments. And the very next thing he tells them to build is an altar. Even before they break one commandment, he knows they're going to need an altar to cover and atone for their sins. Hallelujah, what a God. If you don't think God wants you saved, my goodness, you have believed a lie from the enemy. Amen? Listen to what he says here. Listen with it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make anything to be with me, gods of silver, gods of gold, you shall not make for yourselves. An altar of the earth you shall make for me, and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. And if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stone, for it, if you use your tool on it, you have profaned it. Nor shall you go up by steps to my altar, that your nakedness may be exposed on it. What does all that mean? Number one, three things that we get here out of Moses telling us to build an altar. Number one, the altar is necessary. Number one, the altar is necessary. He says, you do not, he, he says, you're not to manufacture it in any way. You are not to take a tool or a chisel to this altar. You are not to frame or shape it or put a design on it. You are not to uh, take your hands upon it at all and use any tool. It is just an altar of stone. That's what it is. It's just that rock. It's just that rock. And he gives instruction for the altar before he does the temple. He says we can have an altar without a temple, but you cannot have a temple without an altar. Amen. Do you hear me again? You can have an altar without a temple, but you cannot have a temple without an altar. It's absolutely necessary that we have an altar. We can have the most amazing building, and it means nothing if you don't have the altar. It means nothing if you don't have the presence of God. I've been into some of the most beautiful places in the world. I've been in Krakow, Poland. And I've been into some of the most beautiful churches that there ever were. Gold everywhere. And folks, the presence of God is absolutely not in that building. Absolutely not in that building. We've been in places in Sochava, Romania, where you, you would think these people are so religious and the presence of God ought to be. And there is no presence of God anywhere. Some of the most beautiful man made structures. And guess what? I've been on the porch of dilapidated homes that you wouldn't give two cents for. And we sat on the porch in Moldova and had church on that porch. And the presence of Almighty God came into that place where we were because there's an altar established there. And an altar. What is an altar? What is an altar? It's a place of consecration. It's a place of declaring something sacred. God commands and, they, and their altar before... Uh, uh, God, God gives the commands and then the altar is there. Before they ever break one, it's a place where sin would be dealt with. It's a place where the sacrifice would be laid upon. It's a place where Jesus Christ at the cross would take away the sins of the world for you and for me. It's a place where He would die, where He would give his last breath where he would pay for the sins of humanity and without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin the Bible says so we must build the altar first it is absolutely necessary amen, amen. 
It's absolutely necessary, and we're going to do that in this church. George Whitfield said this. He was asked, why do you only seem to preach the message that you must be born again? And Mr. Whitfield replied, because you must be born again. Another old preacher would preach from one or two themes every time he would preach. And a young guy came up to him and said, Preacher, do you not know that, that this book is big with a lot of different themes? Why don't you preach different themes? He said, I'm going to keep preaching it until you believe it. It's an altar that would go with them through the wilderness. <laughs> he went with them everywhere they went. They carried it with them. If they needed it, it's there. They would set it up as they were instructed to. It would bring them through every place in life. It would bring through them through every trial and difficulty. What was their response? We would bring them to this altar, and there's a certain response God is expecting as they come and as they travel. So number one, the altar is necessary. Number two, the altar is ready-made. Look at what it says in verse 25. And if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stone for if you use your tool on it you have profaned it it's an altar that is ready made God is perfect folks God's holiness doesn't need a paint job it doesn't need you or some religious person coming and trying to make it up and make his holiness better there's nothing that you can do to make God better we add nothing to Christ and we don't dare take anything away from Christ God is already perfect he is already just and he is the perfect one and that's why we spent a year preaching on the righteousness of Jesus blood that's why we've spent a year preaching on Christ and Christ alone. That's why we preach for a year on the new covenant over and over and over again because I don't want you dare touching the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Or this church. Listen, pagan nations had elaborate altars during this time. I mean, they put them gold. They made them silver. They made them, they made them with steps. The higher you would climb, the better. The closer you would get to heaven. And that's how some of us, we want to do with the altar of God. Some of us want to build steps to God. And that's what we've done in the church for years now. Ten steps to this and five steps to this and ten steps to that. Folks, you don't need a ten, five step. You need Jesus. You need Jesus morning. You need Jesus noon. You need Jesus in the evening. You need Jesus all the time. It's it's all about the blood of Jesus. Amen. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And they all had these altars. In fact, Ahaz, if you remember, when Israel got taken captive one time, the whole reason was because he went into the pagan nations. He saw the, the, these glorious uh, altars, and he came back to Jerusalem and had them build one. He wanted to have them build one like the nations of prosperity and wealth, an altar like that. And, 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 and it cost him something. And folks, it'll cost you. The altar is ready made. There's no five steps to get closer to the kingdom of heaven. There is simply the altar and everything Christ has done on the cross. In fact, this altar compared to the other, when you look at it, look, it ain't look too good. He was despised and rejected. Amen. A man of sorrows, acquainted with much grief, yet we esteemed him not. 
We esteem the other altars, but not many people esteem this one. But folks, it's glorious. It's ready-made. It needs nothing added to it, and it needs nothing taken away. Identify with the cross of Calvary. Identify with the cross uh, uh, of Jesus Christ. God is saying, hands off this altar. Hands off this altar. When they went into the temple, when they went up to it, hey, I couldn't walk with, with Caleb over there and punch him and say, you see that? You see that? carving right there on the side your man did that I did that I did that ain't that pretty ain't that pretty work no there was no one coming up to that stone and saying I did that I helped with that it's ready made they just stuck it into place and it's there upon this rock I'll build my church hallelujah no one in the camp could boast. No one in the camp could say this altar seemed insignificant compared to the other altars. But I'm telling you folks, it was perfect. That's what was required so we could be made righteous. That's what was required so we could be consecrated and made holy, set apart and declared holy. Jesus was God's way of setting everything in place. Jesus was God's way of making everything right. Amen. Hallelujah. He was, he was God's way of getting to man. And we have no say or boast in the gospel. We can't, we can't boast about it. We can't go. The blood shed 2,000 years ago is still sufficient. It still reaches to the highest mountain. It still flows to the lowest valley. The blood. The blood, the blood, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Number three, so number one, the altar is necessary. Number two, the altar is ready-made. And number three, the altar is the right response. Amen. It's the right response to God. It's the right response. Listen, the altar is where we respond to what God has already done for us in Christ. It's, what, it's where we do that. Look at verse 22. Look at what it says here. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. Go to the, I've talked to you from heaven. In other words, in the New Testament, it would read like this. You've already seen that Jesus has come into the world. I've already talked to you from heaven. I, I, well, now what's your response? Jesus has already come into the world. Now what's your response? You got the bubbles on there? What do you, what do you, what do you, what do you, how are you going to respond? Is it going to be a reaction? Well, I don't need Jesus. Anyway, all roads lead to God. Uh, you know, uh, Jesus is, is all right, but you know, but I got this thing going. I got this thing. What's your response now that he's come into the world, that he's made a way for us to be consecrated, that he's made a way for us to come into the glorious temple of God, that he's made a way for us to become the temple of God where we're, where we're in him and he is in us. You have already seen this. You've already seen this has been done it's already been done now it's already been established God has already come down and become a man and we are coming before God and not come coming saying to God if I come to the altar then I'm going to pray like this it's not a place what he's saying there is it's not a place where you come and you try to manipulate me with your prayers it's not a place you come with your King James version English and say thus saith the Lord Almighty God I thus 
hope that you forgive me of my sins. Lord, remember what I did for you last week. I went to church. I prayed prayers. I did this. It's not a place you come and you come and twist the, the arms of God with a response for trying to get a response from God. We come because God has already responded to the greatest need in human history. We respond in a place now not of sacrificing our lives like some of you continuously want to do to beat yourself in penance. It's not a place where we come now and sacrifice our lives. He's already sacrificed his life and we are responding to the goodness and mercy. That's why they swept that old foundation off and began to sing, our God is good and his mercy endures forever. Our God is good and his mercy endures forever. Our God is good and his mercy endures forever because they're responding to the goodness and the mercy of God. We used to sing songs like, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days, all the days of your life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days, all the days of your life. Well, we did in the Nazarene church. Y'all should have sung that one too. Man, hallelujah. And so when we came to the altar, when we come to the altar now, we're not coming to lay our life down as a sacrifice. We're coming. And when we come, and that's what bothers me. We, I, know, I know this is not, I know you can have an altar at home. I know you can have an altar anywhere. But it really, it really, it really bothers me when I give some calls in the altar. I'll just be real. And people who have been in church a long time think they don't need to come and have their hearts softened anymore. And they just look at all the young Christians come down who come over and over and over because their hearts are responding and they're soft. And they just kind of look at them like, poor soul, poor soul. And I'm thinking, no, you're the poor soul. Poor soul up there is having their heart softened by God every time they come to that altar. Amen. He's beginning to work in their life. He's working in their life. He's working in their life. He's working in their life. Every time they respond and they come to the altar, God is taking out the heart of stone and He's putting in them a heart of flesh. Amen? Amen. It's a place of consecration. It's a place of coming and saying, Dear God, last week I failed, but I'm coming to you anew and fresh. Consecrate my life to you. Forgive me. Wash me clean. Help me to be more like you. It's a place of devotion. It's a place where our our relationship never gets severed, where we can constantly go back. And His mercies are new every morning and great is His faithfulness. So we, we thank God we don't come down here now and bring a cow or a goat that we have to sacrifice on this altar because when we come now we're remembering the perfect lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world that's what we're doing when we're coming when I've fouled up when I've messed up when I've failed and I come down and I come forward to the altar and say dear God I'm remembering your sacrifice you are the lamb who takes away the sins of the world now touch my life again amen hallelujah slain from the foundation of the world And before we broke one commandment, God knew the solution. He knew the solution. He knew the solution. Before we built the temple, our first response is to build the altar. To build the altar. And then to come before the altar with singing and with praise 
and with worship. Oh, you're worthy, Lamb. You're worthy, Lamb of God. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're the worthy one because you, you were dead and you were buried, but behold, you're alive forevermore. And you hold the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And so we come back to this altar and we praise you because we, we come with a sacrifice of praise. And in Ezra 3, we find Zerubbabel and Jeshua. They, they, they are about to come back and build this altar. And Jesus says, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And they built this altar to God. And they were going to build a new altar, but it was going to be on the old base. They found the old bases. They, they they found the traditional place where the altar was going to be built. In other words, it was a new time and a new season, but it was the same place and the same altar. It was the same rock that this new ministry was going to be built upon. And that's what Brookside Church of God is going to do in 2022. It's the same rock, but it's a new ministry that we're going out into the world in outreach to reach the world for Jesus Christ that we're going to be built upon. It's still the new covenant. It's still the blood. It's still, it's still built on the same altar. And we're going to stay where we're supposed to do, be trusting Jesus. But there's new ministry and new life that is going out of this place. Hallelujah. And so we come to this altar today, and I'm going to close. And it's, we surrender. We surrender our past, we surrender our present, and we surrender our future to God. But before they could build the temple, remember, this is the last words, they reinstated a place of praise and worship before God. Before they built the temple, they reinstituted the place of praise and worship before God. They formed, and, 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 and what they were doing, this was it, and this is what we're doing. It was their formal announcement it was their form, they were formally announced that their presence was back in the land and they were proclaiming their intention to rebuild the temple. And that's what we're doing today in January. That's what we're going to do right here on the first Sunday in January. We have come out of captivity. We have come back to the place where God dwells, back to the grace of mercy of God, back to the place. So, some of us were living in, in, in Christianity that entailed, uh, you know, uh, uh, it, it entailed uh, coming to God and then adding your works to it. We've lived in that place for too long. We've lived with other gospels. We've lived with a hyper, hyper this and hyper that. We've lived with all kind of other things, and we've come back to the right gospel, the right foundation on, by, on grace through faith on the finished work of Jesus Christ. And they, and they come back to this place. They put the altar there, the devotion to God. And then they're basically formally announcing by being there that their presence, they're saying, All right, the presence of God is here. We are here. And they're pro proclaiming their intention to build the temple. And that's what we want God to do in our lives. Raise up, raise up, raise up the right temple. Raise up this, this know ye not that this is the temple of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Unless the Lord builds the house, not Brad Lindsay building what he thinks is Christianity, not Brad Lindsay trying to do it in his own works. You know how many years I spent trying to be a good Christian? Anybody else done that? Trying to be a good Christian, trying to read enough, pray enough, study enough, sing enough, go to church enough. Good things, but Brad can't build a temple. But Jesus can. Jesus can. Jesus can. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Father, we love you. We thank you for the word of God this morning, God. We thank you for this story found in the scriptures, in the pages of scripture. God, of when your people found themselves, God, in a foreign land in bondage, but all of a sudden the order was given and the proclamation given that they could leave and go back to Jerusalem. Back to a place, God, where they could build the walls of that city. Back to a place where they could build the temple of God again. And God, you so beautifully declared and showed us, God, that they went back to that place, God. And before they did anything, God, they laid the altar. Before, God, they would do this ministry, God, they came to a place of devotion with you, God. A place of consecration. A place of God where they're recognizing Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, has come to take away the sins of the world and to give us life and life abundantly with Him. And God, they begin to praise and they begin to worship at that place. And God, that, that's what we want to do, God. We want to worship you from this place, God. And we know, God, that, that, that you're going to build the building up. And it's going to be glorious and magnificent because you said the, 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 latter, the latter house should be more, more glorious than the former house, God, of what you're building. God, you filled this temple with your Holy Spirit, God, at Pentecost. And God, gifts came into it. You led captivity captive and you gave gifts unto men. And God, with those gifts that came into your body, Lord, they went out into the world and they preached the gospel. The gifts began to operate in their lives and they began to go out with this glorious good news of the gospel. The temple began to go everywhere and fill the earth, God. And Lord, we're going to do that in this last hour, God. Fill us with your Holy Spirit one more time. And God, take us to the uttermost parts of the earth with this good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we know it starts and it comes out of a heart that is fully devoted to you, God. And so let us be in a place of full devotion with you this morning, God. And then we move out in this community, God. Bring us back to a place of surrender and submission before you and before the finished work. And help us to recognize there's nothing we can add to this as then we go out into ministry, God. We love you. We give you the praise. We give you the honor. And we give you the glory in Jesus' name. We're going to sing a song. If you need prayer this morning, this altar's open. If you just want to come and just consecrate your life to God, just say, God, I, I come to you afresh this morning, God. I come to you. If there's something in between you and God, just simply come back to this altar and come back to this place and be reminded of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made and that, that it's more than enough. It's more than enough. And, and, and then just thank him for what he's building. Thank him for what he's building. This altar's open. If you want to come or you can stay where you are and just worship him. But let's, let's, let's close out like they did. Let's close out like they did. Let's, let, let, let's offer a sacrifice, a praise, and worship now that we see the completion of the altar. The sacrifice has been made, and there's nothing else to be done. The finished work is complete. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The only thing now to do is respond to His goodness and mercy. You don't have to sacrifice yourself. Just respond. And if you've never made Christ the Lord of your life, you need to respond to God because the price has been paid now. And now you can come to the altar. You can come to the altar and you can receive grace and mercy now and find help in your time of need. Come and open your heart up to Jesus and say, thank you for the sacrifice.
Thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you for the sacrifice. Your mercy is good. Your grace endures forever. Hallelujah.